Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we are talking offensive line and obviously quarterback. You know we're going to be talking quarterback and all sorts of other things. With the one and only Mark Schofield comes on back, uh, back joins the show again. We're so excited to have him. Uh, so it's a heck of a show. So buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands he has. Pass. Wilson, quick throw. And it's intercepted. He intercepted it. Intercepted it. Intercepted it. Mark, thanks for coming back, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, it's good to see your face, man. We uh, it's been is it, a long time. Pat, is it? We're all <laughs> friends here. You can be. Is it really good to see this at nine thirty on a Tuesday night? I mean, come on, be it's honest. Not bad. It could be. There are I worse mean, things. That's true. It could be worse. It could be worse. <laughs> you were talking before the show about the stuff that you deal with with the puppy being spayed and everything. So, I guess yeah. it's probably better to look at this face than anything else right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So excited. We're excited. Finally in the friggin' off season, the goddamn season. We didn't even talk about the Super Bowl, by the way. We didn't even, we just glossed right over it. Never happened. We didn't even, I've honestly, and I've been meaning to write something for Pat's pulpit for like weeks now. And I just haven't, I just haven't been able to, I've just been so like sad and mad and like everything else. Like there's all sorts of emotions. And I like, can't, I, I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to talk about it. I just don't even want to like discuss it because I'm just so annoyed at what went down and how it went down and the fact that Gronk and AB got rings too. And it's like, just, ugh, and freaking Bruce Arians, like, God damn it. Like, you know, like I, and I, I said it to you when they were, when they in the NFC championship game, we could look back on this in five years and say it was a blessing in disguise because it lit a little fire under, under Bill Belichick's butt, right? Like right. seven and nine, he's hearing all the, the scrutiny coming his way. He's got a boatload of cap space. I guess, that's just me being optimistic, but right. if if he needs a little more fire headed into the off season, that's all he needed right there. So right, yeah. I mean, look, a, a motivated Bill Belichick, I think, is a good thing, um, especially now when you know, as we all do in the media, like everybody's saying that all oh, the the Brady versus Belichick debate that's over. It's clearly it was all Brady. Um, right. He goes and wins a Super Bowl year one. Belichick finishes seven and nine. The, Debate's over. It's done with. Belichick's an afterthought. Belichick can say that he doesn't read it, but he knows. You know he reads this stuff. Oh, yeah. You know he's heard this stuff. And so I'd imagine that, look, you know, they're, they're, they've got some decisions to make, but they have cap space. They have draft capital. Um, they're just going to hit on what they do over the next couple of weeks here. Um, 
but they've got opportunities uh, to make some moves here in free agency, you know, starting the next couple of weeks that I think could really change the course of this franchise and make it so it's a blip, sort of a one-year-off year rather than a tear-down-and-rebuild situation, which I think we're all hoping they do their best to avoid. Right. Yeah, and I think when you look at it too, kind of looking back and, and digesting the season – Considering the amount of turnover they had at multiple spots, key spots, quarterback, you know, you had some young linebackers in there, you know, Chung opt out, ton of guys that played meaningful snaps. Then you come in, you have COVID. So there's no off season. I think a lot of those guys, we said it all the time, would have benefited from an off season, those year one, those year two guys. And then you get a quarterback in there three weeks before camp. Like I said, no off season. And they somehow win seven games. Like you can look at it. <laughs> I guess that's glass half full. Um, yeah. But like, the fact they won seven games is like, oh my god! When you when you kind of talk about it like that, it's like you know, as bad as they were and how weird it was of a year. I guess they're not so far away, but it yeah, seems like I, they are. Like, I would say before the year started that they could Belichick could have the do the best coaching job of his entire NFL career, and this team might go seven and nine, uh, because with COVID, the opt outs, Cam starting late. The schedule that they had to play, the fact that, like, look, Baltimore, I mean, Buffalo made it to the AFC Championship game. Miami just missed out on the playoffs. Like, the AFC East was a tough division this year. And you look at their, you know, outside of the division schedule, you look at the fact they had to play the NFC West, which got two teams into the postseason. Um, it was a tough year, no matter what. And, you know, like I said, they went seven to nine, and Belichick did a really good job coaching this team, I think. The team is going to be helped immediately with the guys coming back from opt-outs. Um, I think the fact that Chun opted out put them in a position where Duggar had to play meaningful snaps in a year where he was supposed to sit and watch and play the role of caddy. And I think that's going to help because um, right. now he's got that first year under his belt. That, that That's done. Like The learning curve is already here. So I think that will be a benefit for this defense going forward. Um, but they do have decisions to make. Um, Gilmore is obviously one. I know we're going to talk about Phil Perry's mock, but that's a, a decision that's floating out there. Um, and they've got some decisions to make with respect to their own free agents. You know, Spags and I were talking before the show about, you know, Guy and Butler up front on the defensive line. Like, you look at the interior defensive line free agency class, you look at this interior defensive line draft class, it's not great. And so those guys are going to get offers, and it might be hard to keep one or both of them. Um, so that's going to be something you're going to have to deal with. Um, and, you know, free agency in general, you look at trying to draw people to New England might be a bit tougher right now than it's been in years past. And that could also be a problem because you might have to pay a little bit more. You might have to play a bit more of a premium to get players to come to New England than you had I in talk, years past. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, right. it's not come play with Belichick and Brady and what a Super Bowl. It's come play with Belichick and maybe turn a 7-9 team into a playoff team. Right, like what's the what's the cost for that if you're a free agent and you're looking at that offer and say the Dolphins to go play in South Beach or the Bucks to go maybe play with Brady, right? And that's that's the challenge that they're going to face. And you know, I, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if it's as drastic as PFF had the Patriots signing zero of the top fifty free agents, which I was like, what are you nuts? I just can't imagine with the amount of cap room that they have to not sign any of those guys. And maybe they only signed one or two, but to sign zero of them just seemed bizarre to me. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, at the same time, I, we've seen Belichick in so many other free agent cycles 
do more on that secondary free agent market right. than anything else, right? Um, so even with that money, they might still say, look, yeah, we could get in on Kenny Galladay and pay a premium on him, or we could wait and say a little bit later in free agency, one of the other receivers that's out there, uh, maybe a Brashard Perryman, um, who's obviously not the talent that Galladay is, um, mm-hmm. but he's going to come at like a third of the price. Right. Um, so maybe you you take two cracks at the wide receiver Apple, and instead of signing Galladay, you go with Rashard Perryman and Rashard Higgins, like who's also out there. That's right. that's like a typical Belichick type of move. Give yourself more bites at the apple. I look, I love Galladay. I, I I just did a video about him last week. I think he's like the universal fit at wide receiver. Same with Allen Robinson. Chris Godwin's great, but it's just very unBelichick like to say. Here's you know twenty million per for one of those guys. Right. I just don't think that's the way he's going to handle it. And from their perspective, if you're Allen Robinson, you've spent your career dating back to college, catching passes from Christian Hackenberg, Blake Bortles, and Mitchell Trubisky. And you want to come here? Are you going to come here and catch passes from TBD? Like that's a tough sell. Yeah, and we'll get into that too. Like that's going to be the toughest thing, and and it's not even for a wide receiver, right? Like you said, you want to come here and you're going to have to maybe pay a little bit more. You also want to sell that you can win, even right. to an edge player, an offensive lineman, a cornerback. It's like, I, I don't know how – quarterback's the most important position on the field. We all know that. How are you going to sell me we're going to win if you we don't have a player right now? Right. So I, I hope they got something down the pipeline like we talked about before. Like there's going to be some dominoes to fall, the Watson saga, you know, Wentz and, and Darnold even, guys like that. Like once that's those start, guy. those chips that, fall. That's the guy I wish – I wish that Sam Darnold had been drafted by any other franchise because had he been drafted by any other franchise in the oh, NFL, be all in on him. the Patriots would be, I think, would be all in on him. You're talking about a guy that's like $5 million this year, and if you accept the the five the fifth-year bonus, which I would in a heartbeat, it's like 22. So you're talking about like a guy that's under $30 million for the next two years who was a top-five pick a few years ago and is going to be 24 when the season starts. That's an absolute no-brainer. It's just he plays for the Jets, and there's no way that the Jets are going to trade them to. Now, unless the Patriots come in with the best offer, and then maybe they do it. But still, I don't know. I, I, I find it hard to believe that the Jets would send, you know, their, even if it's the quarterback that they, you know, lost faith in and don't believe in anymore, I still find it hard to believe that they're going to send them here. Yeah, I mean, it would be a tough sell um, if you're Joe Douglas because you might have to sell the ownership on that. Like right. we're going to move on from Sam Darnold and we're trading up to the new England Patriots. Like that might be a tough sell. The, the difference maker there though, is you've got a new head coach and obviously Robert Sala has his vision for what he wants the New York jets to be. Um, a lot of people have said Zach Wilson at two is the play there for them. Um, right. And you could see how he might fit in with the offense that they're going to run. Obviously with LaFleur brother as the offensive coordinator, you expect that Shanahan McVay LaFleur outside zone boot action. I think Zach Wilson would be a fit for that. Um, and if the Patriots do put the best offer on the table, um, for Sam Darnold, why, why help a, why help a divisional team when you have, you went from the best quarterback situation for the last 20 years now to the worst and then trade Darnold who, you know, the, you know, the reclamation projects that come here and right. go help him. And then he torches you for 20, like that'd be so jets. Yeah. That'd be so jets. It would be. <laughs> um, but that might make it. You know, easier for New England to make an offer that looks the best. You know? Well, and that's the thing. I mean, if they're if you know, if I'm the Patriots, I'm I'm right now calling the Jets, saying, "Listen, we'll give you 46 and a fourth rounder, 
And I don't know if a team is going to outbid them on that. I don't know. Now, maybe they will, but I don't know if they're going to get more than a second and a fourth for, you know, for Sam Darnold, who at this point looks like a lost cause. And I know he's super young and that's, that's what you're buying is that he's super young and you're bringing in a guy, instead of bringing in a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick here, you're bringing in a guy who's 24 years old, who of course, yeah, it looks like a disaster, but if you can fix him, has the potential to be, uh, you know, a superstar in this league. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, you sort of just touched on, like, the biggest elephant in the room, which is the fix him part. And it's this isn't, like, Darnold-specific, but it's the organization from New England's perspective. Do they have the ability to develop a rookie or fix a younger right. quarterback? Um, and I don't, I don't know if they do. They haven't really had to do it, obviously. When you're blessed with 20 years of Tom Brady – you don't need to test your developmental chops as an organization. Um, but Josh McDaniels has had opportunities to develop quarterbacks, and he hasn't really done it. Um, Tim Tebow, an example. Um, does Jared Stidham count? If so, that's also an example and not a good one. Right. So uh, you, if you're going to make that trade for Sam Darnold, you have to believe in your ability to fix a quarterback. Now, Darnold could be pretty easy to fix. And it could be as simple as get out of away from Adam Gase because I don't think Adam Gase did him any favors. And I don't understand how Adam Gase has this reputation as being a quarterback guru based on a year of telling Peyton Manning just to go out and do what he wants. And as a right. result, Adam Gase is a quarterback guru. Must be a nice gig if you can get it. Um, so maybe just simply getting him away from Adam Gase will fix him. I don't know. Um, but I'm with you, though. Generally speaking, I'm on board with the idea of Sam Darnold. Like I, I think, you know, in terms of tiering the current NFL options at quarterback, like there's Deshaun Watson. Yeah, if you can get Deshaun Watson, fantastic. But you're not going to be able to get Deshaun Watson. Like you're not going to be able to match what any other team can put in front of you. You know, then there's that next group of like the Garoppolo tier, um, which could end up happening. Um, but I do like the Darnold option out of all of these. Um, the question is, can you ha- can a can you make it happen? And B, you would have to trust in your ability to develop them. Right. No, that's true. That's true. All right. Let's get into what we're what we're supposed to be talking about. Which right. let's we we are gonna talk about the quarterback position until until they find a quarterback. We're gonna talk about the quarterback position. So that's gonna yeah. be every show. Yeah. Um, but I do want to talk about the offensive line, and we'll start with the guys that are currently on the team. Uh, Marcus Cannon, of course, opted out. There's there were some questions last year about whether he's gonna retire or not. Uh, he's got a fairly big cap hit, not a massive cap hit, but a fairly big cap hit. I think a set, they get about $7 million relief uh, if he were to either not come back or retire. Uh, and then, of course, you have Joe Tooney, who they franchised last year, who's an unrestricted free agent, and David Andrews, who's also an unrestricted free agent. Uh, give me your list as to, first of all, do you think Cannon comes back? And then second of all, you know, it, I mean, uh, what you think will happen with Tooney and Andrews and what needs to happen with Tooney and Andrews? I mean, with respect to, I mean, I think Cannon comes back, and I do think that that, you know, you're going to want him in the fold. We saw what happened to this team without a viable swing tackle option um, behind when when Luminor had his struggles at times. Um, so I would like to have Marcus Cannon back in the fold. Um, Tooney is going to be really tough. Um, obviously, it's basically the same situation that we had last year, right? Both Tooney and Brandon Sheriff, their guards one A and one B. Um, right. Stack him in any order you want. Those are the two guys. 
Um, you might have Joe Tooney at the top of that tier because Sheriff has a bit of an injury history. He had the torn pec uh, from a couple years ago. He's had some elbow injuries as well. Um, he's going to probably command a decent offer. But at the same time, like the strength of this Patriots team right now, not just the offense, I think is the offensive line, and in particular the interior offensive line with Mason, with Andrews, with Joe Tooney. Um, and I think you have to really take a swing at trying to get Tooney back um, because whether you're developing a young quarterback, whether you're trying to fix a Sam Darnold, like you have to have an offensive line up front that you trust. Um, so, yeah, I would throw as much as you could with the cap space you have at Britton Joe Tooney back. Um, letting him go, I think, would be a disaster for this team from a roster construction standpoint. But he's going to – look, he's going to have – Teams lining up to get him. Like if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you yeah, just saw cool. what the Cleveland Browns did this year with building an offensive line. Right. Like built that offensive line. That's how you take Baker Mayfield and fix him. And so teams are going to be lining up to throw money at this guy. And I don't know if they're going to be able to keep him. I don't know if they pay enough to keep him. Well, also you have on Wainu there. Yeah. You know, I mean that it's kind of like how do you just not the, how do you justify because the guy's one of the best guards in the league, but like right, you almost have to say, well, Onwenu is going to then play right tackle, then right, and and, and then and then keep Tooney at right guard. You say yeah. justify? What would they be paying their two guards? Right, like Mason and not. I mean, they're well worth it, right? Like they're two of the best, you know, top ten in the league. But from a raw, like I don't know how you can stomach giving two guards, especially when you had Onwenu and how well he looked. And I know he no Belichick made a note of it um, at the end of kind of one of his end of the year press conferences, maybe before week seventeen or or week sixteen, kind of the the progress of players and the younger guys. And they mentioned um, that Onwenu, you know, saw some time at tackle. They really liked what they saw him at guard, and you know, this will be a big off season for him in terms of kind of where they view him in the future. I, I'm obviously paraphrasing here, but. I wonder, I mean, because you have a question at right tackle with Cannon. Is he going to come back? If he comes back, do you try to restructure him so you get that cap hit a little bit lower? Does he make it through camp? Like, there's so many questions there. Then you lose Tooney. You have a replacement behind him in Onwenu. I don't know. You're filling one hole but keeping another one open. So I I definitely think they look um, offensive line relatively early, uh, maybe even in the top 100, uh, whether it's guard or tackle. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they've got flexibility in the sense that we've seen Owenu at different spots on the offensive line. And if they feel like they have to put him at right tackle, they feel comfortable doing that. If they feel like they've got to put him at guard, if Tooney does leave, they can do that. And the other thing is Isaiah Wynn. As good as he's looked at left tackle, like if you've got a left tackle option that falls into your lap somehow in the draft, or if you've got a left tackle option that falls into your lap in free agency, and there's some intriguing – tackle options in free agency you know you might feel better about letting Tooney walk kick and win inside because that's where most everybody expected him to play in the National Football League and sign on a left tackle like they've got some flexibility with this offensive line because of the guys like Wynn and Owenu have shown positional versatility in the past whether it's a Owenu in the NFL or when and the exposure he's had at playing guard most of the senior ball and some reps in preseason things like that. Out of, out of all their free agents, though, I will be crushed if David Andrews leaves. That's a Patriot lifer right there, man. Like yep. his red jacket's waiting for him. Uh, I don't think he goes anywhere. I think they do everything they can to keep him. I think that's a guy that, you know, hey, wink, wink, like type of team friendly deal, whatever you want to put it. Uh, and you saw how, I mean, 
awful that line looked without him yeah. uh, two years ago, Brady, right? Like he's so important to that team uh, from a leadership standpoint, you know, the anchor of that line. So he's played so many meaningful football games. I think, you know, Dooney, Tooney and, and, uh, and Andrews one, a one B, however you want to put them. Um, you got to retain at least one of them, put it that way. And I think they will. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, of the two, you know, Andrews is probably going to be the easier to re- to bring back. Right. Uh, is going to command probably. I mean, you look at any sort of free agent rankings out there, like Joe Tooney's is a top 15 type of free agent. Um, Dave Andrews isn't. And so I, I think, you know, there are a couple of free agents on the market at the center spot. Lindley, the guy from uh, Green Bay. I mean, right. there's some intriguing options um, in the draft. Um, Creed Humphrey as uh, one, the the minor arts kid from UW Whitewater. I think he's more of a you know late day two, early day three guy. Uh, but I think he could play in the National Football League right away. Um, so if they had to replace David Andrews, I think they could. Um, Landon, Landon Dickinson too, right from Alabama. Yeah, I mean he's got the injury history. Um, yeah. You know that. You know, he's probably a first, you know, round one talent, um, but the medicals are going to be huge for him. You know, with no combine this year, that's going to be, you know, even a tougher valuation standpoint. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, look, there are center options. There are guard options, too, like Wyatt Davis, the kid from Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he will probably be there at 15 if he wanted to go that route. I can only imagine, though, the reaction <laughs> if the Patriots draft a guard at 15. Like, my God. Oh, my I almost hope it happens just to see. Yeah, it. just for the chaos. But you know, I mean, a guard or a safety at fifteen, people would just lose people it. would lose it. It'd be yeah. it'd be uh, absolute chaos, absolute chaos. Be it'd be good for content, but it would be, I mean, it'd be great for content. <laughs> I mean, look, we all have to prepare ourselves for the Patriots to trade out of fifteen and trade back. Like right. that's that's like the nightmare scenario that I, I Spags is already twitching. I can see it right now. Yeah, I mean, they're they're like in the worst spot. Like they're seven to nine at fifteen with yeah. no quarterback, probably no chance at four, maybe even in the top five wherever you have Mac Jones fall. Yeah, it, it, you don't land one of them. Like right. trade back. They don't have a, their own third. They have a kind yeah. of a gap between what forty six and ninety six wherever yeah. that Brady comp pick comes in. I'm okay, right? Like we talked about it with with Brad Kelly, uh, and he had mentioned you know Jacksonville, new coach, you know new franchise quarterback. That's a team that might want to get up and try to get three first round picks. You can swap a 33 in their second or their third and pick up a boatload of picks inside the top 100. I'm okay with that too. Right. I'm yeah. I'm I'm team trade down. I am. I'm at this point because for me personally, there's three guys. And Kyle Pitts, I'll say begrudgingly because everybody loves Kyle Pitts and I'm like Look, I like Kyle Pitts, but I'm like, yeah, okay, tight end, sure, I guess at he's 15. He's the best nine. tight end. Oh, I know. Prospect to come out probably since Brock. He's I a know, but he's a tight end. But he's a tight end in name only, man. I know. I mean, but he's a slow, uh, so what? He's a slow slot receiver. I don't know. Anyways, regardless, so I'll begrudgingly put Kyle, Kyle Pitts in the list. But for me, it's it's Pitts, it's Micah Parsons, it's Jalen Waddle. If those three guys aren't there, I don't care. I don't care what they do. Now, obviously, if like Justin Fields last the 15, it's not going to happen. Nope. No, like those guys, I don't care. Like those are the three guys for me. If if those three guys are gone, then I don't care what they do at 15 because I'm fine with then trading back. You don't need anything else. You know, like to me, those guys are, you know, you change, change the way you play football type of guys. You know, like Micah Parsons in the middle of that defense with the speed and athleticism that he has playing linebacker changes the way they play, they play defense. 
you know, Jalen Waddle with the speed that he plays wide receiver changes the way they play offense. You know what I mean? Like that, those are the things that I'm looking at. And I feel like even a guy like Quiddy pay very good, but like, does he change what they do defensively? Like he's a good player, but like, if you could trade back and pick up like, you know, a late first rounder and a first next year, or like an early second rounder in a first next year, or like an early second rounder or a late second or whatever the case may be. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like that might be a, a better option for them than drafting someone at 15 who's like pretty good, but like, yeah, you know, isn't like an absolute blue chip game changing prospect, you know? Yeah. I mean, look, they're, they're in a tough spot, like at 15, um, because you're basically out of the quarterback game, especially right. this year. Um, you've got a number of different holes that you could address. And one guy at 15 isn't going to address that. You are going to have that gap, like Ryan was just talking about, from you know the pick at forty six to that Brady comp pick, and we all know that Belichick often views like sixty to a hundred as like the sweet spot of most drafts. And right now, they don't have a pick in that well, spot. He did the same thing last year. We all said, sure. you know, they had a gap between twenty three and eighty seven, uh, and we're like, well, he's he cannot, he absolutely one hundred percent will have to draft, you know, a few times. And of course they trade back and pick up two picks in that spot. So it's like, you know, it seems like inevitable that that's what's coming, you know? And, you know, the, the other thing is this, you know, the, the elephant in the room is how are teams going to value this year's draft class, generally speaking, right? you know, like Trey Lance, as talented as that kid is, how much are you going to trust your evaluation of just one game of film? Jamar Chase, as talented as he is, he opts out, like, he made the decision, and that's that's fine, but we know how NFL organizations think. And so we might see some teams punt this year around the edges and pick up, say, you know, future, you know, first and seconds in exchange for a first-round pick. I don't know if the Patriots are going to do that, um, but it's something that they might do. It's something the teams might do, and that's another thing we have to be considered here. As high as I am, look, I love Kyle Pitts. I saw my right arm off. If the Patriots draft, if the Patriots would get them as a result in a heartbeat. So that means like, they're not going to because you're that, willing to do that. <laughs> that means exactly that they will not be drafting, you know, Kyle Pitts. And for everybody that say they don't need another tight end, like I've, I've seen some people say that, he's, he's not a tight end. Like he's he's a matchup nightmare. Like he he had this little like, you know, it's not like a quite like a sluggo, but he had a touchdown against Kentucky that he beat a corner who's probably an early day two pick at some point in his career. And he just ran right by him. He just absolutely ran by him. This, this, when they were doing things with him, they would flex him out on the goal line and they'd either run a slant if he was against a corner or a fade or whatever. And I was having flashes to vintage Gronk when they yeah. would do that, they would come out in jumbo, but then they'd flex Gronk out and say, whatever we're getting, we're going to run a slant or a fade and you're just not going to stop it. And that's what he was doing in the SEC. And so, look, if he's there at 15, great. But he's probably not going to be there at 15 because he's just not going to be there at 15. And so, yeah, I am I understand, like, they might trade down. And I think we, as Patriots fans, we should always be stealing ourselves for that potential because we've seen Belichick do it so many times. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. So, we'll see. Now, in the draft, offensive line-wise, uh, you know, say, you know, well, you could say 15 or even, even later on in the draft, who are the guys that you think, you know, can come in and help the Patriots right away? Obviously, you know, we don't know what the situation is going to look like, but we think that they're, you know, probably going to attack the tackle spot. We would think, uh, you know, and 
we know that Bill always loves the interior offensive linemen, and he loves having that draft capital anyways, regardless of what's going on. Now, he's dra- you know, he's invested quite a bit in the last few years, right? Four draft picks in the last two years. So maybe they kind of shy away from it a little bit, but it I don't think that that's going to happen. I think they're going to probably target another guy or two. And who do you think really fits well here? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a weird tackle class. Um, you know, obviously, Sewell, the kid from Oregon, everybody's – Losing yeah. their minds over him, and he's he's incredibly talented. Um, you know he's not going to be in the discussion of fifteen. I think at, at fifteen, there's a there's a potential Slater. that Slater's there. Um, and look, and if you go, he's a guy that opted out. Um, but you watch what he did in two years ago in the Big Ten championship game against Chase Young. I mean, right. that's a guy that can play offensive tackle in the National Football League in a heartbeat. Right. Um, so if he's there at fifteen, like I'd be completely, I'd be fine with that. Um, because the kid can play. Now and, I don't think he's there. Like you draft him, you do bump win inside, right? You maybe on one to right tackle Andrews yep. and Mason. That's a pretty good offensive line. That's a pretty good offensive line, Max. I I'd be fine with that offensive line week week one next year. Oh, yeah. um, doesn't matter who your quarterback is. Um, I think that guy that offensive line could block for whoever it is, whether it's you know a more pocket passer type or a more athletic guy. Um, Slater can fit both those both those schemes. Um, as as you get a little bit later into the first round, I like the North Dakota State kid Dylan Raddins. Um, yeah. I thought he was great um, at the Senior Bowl when I got to see him on tape. Um, he, you know, we had a couple of reps and one on ones, but I, I think overall, like he's a kid that I really like. Um, Kosby, the Texas kid. Um, he's probably in the discussion of 46, um, who's somebody I think can play pretty well in the national football league, but you know, it doesn't have the like athleticism as some of these upper end guys, but I do like him. Um, there's going to be a massive debate about Leatherwood, the Alabama kid, um, on film looked good, looked really good. Um, but then he goes down to the senior bowl and he just had a bad week. Yeah. Um, he just had a really bad week down there. And it, Talked to some people, and they're like, he was one of the worst tackles down in Mobile. Um, I think his film is better than that, but I think he's going through a bit of a slide. Um, he might now be a round three guy, um, and he's somebody that at the start of the year people were thinking maybe a, a first rounder. I like Hainsey, um, the Notre Dame kid. Uh, I think he did some things on film that I liked, um, but I think had a fantastic having the other Notre Dame, the, the interior guy from Notre Dame, I think did a fantastic job down in Mobile and really sort of helped themselves. Um, so those are some guys that I like. The other kid is uh, James uh, Hudson, the Cincinnati guy. Um, really like some of the stuff he did on film. Um, really like some of the stuff he did on the senior bowl. And I, I know our boy, the Senator Walker Little, um, the Stanford kid, right. had him at 46. That's an interesting – I don't know if it was 46, but he had him in the second round. Um, yeah. That's an interesting name. Um, a lot of people really liked him coming into this year, uh, but we saw with guys like you know Darisol, who's really sort of moving up boards right now, a uh, little slid back a bit, um, but certainly an interesting option. Uh, you start thinking interior offensive line, um, it's hard not to be excited about the D three kid. Um, yeah, cool, good minors. Um, um, the belly, you know, the gut, the, belly. Belly. the gut. Yeah, I mean, so, look, yeah. I, I know one of his coaches, uh, Owen Reese, really well. Um, and Owen was telling me like this time last year, he's like, we got a kid, man. We got a kid that's going to play in the league. I can tell you that right now. Um, and he's got that finishers type mentality, um, that old school approach, but he was dominant at times at the senior bowl, but he was dominant on film. And that's what you want to see from a D three kid. Right. Um, 
and look, if they do pick up picks in that say like 70 to 90 range, like I think that's a sweet spot for that kid in this draft. And look, if you lose Tooney, um, I think he can play left guard right away. I certainly think he could. I think he could play center in the NFL. That's what they were using mostly at the senior bowl, but I think he could play center or guard in the NFL for sure. Yeah. Ah, it's interesting. It, and it's, you know, I think there's a lot of guys that are there that, you know, and we don't know, right? I mean, guys like on Wenu, no one's talking about Michael and Wenu going into the draft. Like nobody. And the guy gets drafted in the sixth round and he comes out and, you know, he dominates in the NFL and turns into one of the best, you know, one of the best offensive linemen that got drafted last year. And so, you know, you look at it and just say, we don't really know what the hell's going on. Right. But it's, it's interesting to kind of see what those guys look like. And now, especially we get guys that opted out, you get guys that were hurt, you get guys that, you know, didn't play a ton. They guess, you know, and so it's like, everything's a crapshoot this year, but it is interesting to see some of these guys. And, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Patriots targeted at least one or two of them. But yeah, know. I mean, you know, what was interesting is everybody was on Ruiz and everybody was on Bredesen, the mm-hmm. other two Michigan interior offensive guys. Um, you know, when it was like sort of an afterthought, um, I'm, I, I remember watching Bredesen a ton and thinking, yeah, this guy can certainly play. And we all loved Ruiz. Everybody right. thought like, look, Patriots might draft that kid early. Um, so you might see some, you know, guys in the later rounds that nobody's really talking about. Um, Robert Jones from Middle Tennessee. Um, he's a guy that's probably a day three guy in the interior offensive line. I haven't watched a ton of his game tape, but I loved what he did at the senior bowl. I thought he was dominant at times. Um, Deontay Brown, the huge mammoth of a guy at Alabama. Um, a guard and tackle. Can play guard, can play tackle. Um, I There were some people who thought he was disappointed at the senior bowl. I wasn't disappointed by him at all. I thought he moved well for a guy of that size. When they did outside zone, wide zone stuff, I thought he moved pretty well, got up to the second level pretty well. Um, is he going to get beat by quicker interior rushers? Yeah, sure. But if you try any sort of power move on him, forget it. it, it you're right. done from 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 jump. You're just done. You're not going to get through that guy. Um, he's just a massive human being. Um, you know, Would I be afraid of drafting him in the, on day three? Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's what it all comes down to, right. Is, is the value and where you're taking them, you know? So, uh, but it's interesting. And, and again, we'll see. I think that the dominoes are going to start at the beginning of free agency. When we see what happens with Tooney, when we see what happens with Cannon, when we see what happens with Andrews, and then we're going to know what, you know, what they're going to be doing. If they lose Tooney and Andrews and Cannon doesn't come back, like, well, now they have to address, you know, a, a few positions on the offensive line. Right. So yeah. I don't imagine that happening, but, you know, that'd be like absolute worst case scenario, sound the alarm, like we need to we need to figure something out, you know? So Yeah, and I think if that happens, we've got bigger problems, right? Right. Because if we see that kind of mass exodus, like, you know, all the stories about Brady versus Belichick and all that stuff, now all the stuff we started talking about at the start of the show, like that's when you know it's really time to worry, right? right? Like if they can't bring those guys back, if there's just like mass exodus – Man, yeah, we're then we're talking about that sort of tear down and rebuild scenario. Spencer Rattler, twenty twenty two. Seriously, that kid could slit it though. Oh, yeah. I mean, that kid's fun to well, watch. I'm, I'm just waiting for next year because everyone was, you know, there was the whole thing Friday about Zach Wilson not being a captain, or was he a captain? Or was he was he not? And then you know, wait till wait till Spencer Rattler next year when they, everyone watches his QB one on Netflix and see how he was a, a punk in senior year of high school. It's like, oh, yeah. he's going to drop. It's like, uh, I don't think you should judge the kid when he was 16 years old. But. Oh, absolutely not. But no, Rattler, Sam Howell. I mean, there's there's going to be some good arms coming off. Daniels. But. 
Yeah, he's good too. He's good too. It's interesting. Interesting. So let's get into this Phil Perry mock because I was I was fascinated at this Phil Perry mock. Um, So Phil, of course, a good friend of the show, uh, NBC Sports, of course. Uh, He has the Patriots trading up to four with the Falcons and drafting Zach Wilson. To get to four, he has them giving up 15, 46, and a 2022 second rounder. I mean, that's like the that's like the biggest no brainer in the history of Earth. I mean, if yeah. that's the deal. I mean, look, I I love Phil. I adore Phil. Um, if that's all it takes to get to four, then yeah, sure, absolutely. I can't imagine that's all it's going to take. Well, like, we were talking to Evan Lazar last week, and he was saying kind of the opposite. Like everyone thinks it's this king's ransom to move up. You know what? Eight nine slots, right? Like what they do for Mahomes is it a you know their first and a, next. A, Next year's first and a third or something, right? I mean, but that that was for the tenth pick. I don't know. I, I mean, he might be a little off, but well, no one there's not a known price tag for something like you know what I mean? Yeah, according to the Rich Hill chart, and of course, like the Rich Hill chart. Oh, that, is, yeah, that's awesome. Is, which is pretty dope that the people everyone uses the Rich Hill chart, which is pretty yeah. cool. Um, but anyway, so according to the Rich Hill chart, it's actually a little bit of an overpay by the Patriots to get up to four. The thing is, is that that might be true, but if Zach Wilson is sitting there at four and somehow the Jets have either passed on a quarterback or drafted fields, and then the Dolphins have not traded out of three or traded three, and that team has either drafted fields or not drafted a quarterback or drafted trade, whatever the case may be, you get to four and Zach Wilson's still available at four and the Falcons are actively shopping that pick. It's you gotta think they're gonna they're gonna look for a king's ransom to yeah. move that pick. And so while the value might be there, if you're a Falcons fan, you're looking at that saying, All you got was 15 and two second rounders. Like, what the hell, dude? You know, and, and it's not like and I know they have Julio and Matt Ryan still. I, I know they have they have some talent there, but they're drafting number four overall for a reason. Like they're still not that good of a team, you know, and so like you're not, you're not, you shouldn't at least be in a win now mode, especially playing in the division you play where you're not going to win the division next year. So like now you're fighting in as a wild card, trying to win the, trying to win the Super Bowl as a wild card. I, I just, I don't see it, but shoot. I mean, if that's, if that's what it takes, like, I mean, if, I that, if that's the price to get Zach Wilson, I'll pay it in a heartbeat. Like right. no questions asked. Um, I do think that especially like you just walked through that scenario, Pat, you're going to have teams seven, eight, 12 maybe, you know, that's Detroit, that's Carolina, that's San Francisco. Now Clemmer to get up to that board for that pick. Um, so I do think that the price will go up to try to get up there. Um, you know, and, you know, the, the Mahomes sort of analogy is a good one from Spags. I think the difference is, you know, that year there weren't as many teams in like dire quarterback straits. Now that the number of teams that are going to need a quarterback will probably be, obviously will definitely be fewer come draft time because the one situation will play itself out. The Watson situation will play itself out. Jimmy Garoppolo might have a new home. And so that might take say hypothetically Carolina out of the mix. Maybe he goes there. Who knows? Here's um, a question too. So, if say we get to week three of free agency, right. And Jared Stidham is still the only one on the depth chart. Like, are, are we almost expecting something like this to ha- not, ex- you know, like, this is a possibility that they're really trying to get up, right? Like you get through 
those obstacles fall, you don't you don't get a Garoppolo. You Newton's still floating around. I mean, maybe that's like kind of on the back burner. Like, hey, we got this guy if we really really need him. But you get through the first three weeks and you still don't have a planet quarterback. Can we can we start bracing ourselves for? Hey, maybe they're really trying to get up. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think yeah. The only fear is if you swing and miss at that. Like, what's the fallback plan? Um, because probably Cam Newton. <laughs> yeah. And you know, look, Mike Giardi said it today. What 35, 40% chance that Cam's back here next year. They might be viewing it as Stidham. We'll have Cam back and we'll take our swing at the top of the board. And if it doesn't work out, then we'll run it back with Cam and see if we can piece a better offense around him. What that offense will look like, who knows? You know, it'll be look look a little bit better with Kyle Pitts. I'll say that. I'm going to keep hammering that home. Hey man, I mean, I'm listen, speak it into existence. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing yeah. wrong with with uh, with lobbying for your guys, as as Spags and I know. Yeah. Sometimes it backfires, but you know, you lobby for your guys. You're not you're not going to miss on that one, though. <laughs> no, that's I, true. I just, I just don't see how you can. I mean, I just the yeah. the idea of Pitts in a you know pseudo twelve personnel package with whether it's Devin CSC or whoever at the other tight end. Um, Edelman and Myers at the other two wide receiver spots. Like, I think you could do a lot of that stuff. I could, you, I think you could do a lot with that sort of package. Yep. Keegan, Keegan's with you. Cam in year two and take a swing at Trey Lance. I mean, listen, I, you know, I, I'm on board. I'm on board theoretically for Cam in year two. I think it's, I think it's a dangerous game. Like Spag said, like, it's a dangerous game to not bring in a quarterback and say, Hey, you know, like, oh, we got this thing going on and we're going to try to get up, try to get up and get someone. I, I think that's a dangerous game. If you're looking at it saying we don't want Sidham as a starting quarterback, but we're also not going to go out and pay someone because we're going to try to get up in the draft and get someone. I, I just because what happens if if those four guys go one, two, three, four. And now you're like, uh, well, I guess we're taking Mac Jones at 15. Like, <sighs> like that's not that's not where we want to go, you know, and so that's. That's a challenging. That's a challenging thing for me, you know. I, I said since the year ended, like if you can't get up and get one of those guys, and you don't want to overpay or somehow can't get one of those veterans on the market, like I'm all right with rolling into next year with the same quarterback room, assuming you upgrade the wide receiver room, the tight end room, and make that person's job easier, and you let whoever you bring in. Stidham Cam and a day three guy like a Kellen Mond or a Felipe Frank, someone like that, battle it out. Like that, if that's what they got to do, I think if you upgrade the positions around them, right, like wide receiver, tight end, you won seven games with that group last year at a first place schedule. A year with, you know, much more offseason time together, it's another year together, guys coming in that can help you. I think you're two, three wins better. Does that make the playoffs? You might sneak in, but that's an upgrade from last year. Yeah, I think there's a lot of merit to that. Um, you know, you you have this opportunity to have a pick at 15, and you could spend this draft capital in a number, number of different ways. Um, if you can package it to get up and that pans out, fantastic. If not, look, like we were talking about before the show, Ryan, camp side how so late into this process with no preseason, no training camp games, and he was thrown to Damier Bird and Jacoby Myers and right. down the stretch. Nothing. Else, um, yeah. And this team still won seven games. And Cam Newton contracted COVID in the middle of the season. Almost, and, almost won 10. 
certainly didn't look great the first couple of games back. Um, and right. with a first place schedule and playing the NFC West. And so, you know, will Patriots fans be elated if that's the pick, the 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 move, the path? Probably not. Could it work out? I think it could. Yeah, um, I think they would. I think people would be realistic. People would be okay with it, assuming right, like Jalen Waddle or Tyler Wallace Day Two, and right. they sign a, you know, one of those second tier wide receivers that, like I like to say every week, a Brandon LaFell type production yeah. come in, catch right. you 50, 60 balls, and then you're substantially you're not the top 10, not even top 15 wide receiver room in the league, but you're a lot better than you were last year. I think that that ultimately wins you a few more games. I think if they do that, I think realistic people are like, okay, I, I see what they're doing. They're, they're going to wait this out, Cam, another year in the system, more time. You know, who who knows what we see from Stidham in, we, in, in year three and in, in developmental year. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's not the worst. It is probably the worst case scenario for 2021. Well, I mean, the, the worst case scenario is going that route, but drafting, I don't know, like Nasran Nizordine, the, the the safety at 15. Right. Christian Marmore like, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. and then drafted like, Marmore. you know, Marvin Wilson at 46, like an interior defensive line that has some issues. Like, if you go that route and you haven't done anything to help Cam Newton or Jared Stenham or the day three pick, you draft right. a quarterback. Like, I think that's the worst case scenario. Like, that's like, I think if the Patriots like get weapons at 58 and get weapons at 46 and go back with Cam, like, I think that's okay. Most people will probably view that as the worst case scenario. No, that's the worst case scenario right. or trade it back and then draft it again. And then drafting game. guys. That, yeah, that's yeah. it. I mean, you, whoever it is, you got to give them help. You know, yeah. there is one thing I wanted to ask you and, and just getting back to, to, Perry's uh, mock draft here. He has them taking Walker Little in the second round because of a Stephon Gilmore trade, which I want to ask you about. But before I do, Walker Little went to the same college as Davis Mills, who uh, has like zero games on tape. Um, you know, funny enough, actually, he played about the same amount of games as Trey Lance has. So uh, just curious about your thoughts about Davis Mills, a guy that seems to be, you know, driving up draft boards a little bit to that third, fourth round type of spot. Uh, just curious about your thoughts on him. Yeah, I mean, the fit about Mills is we're seeing him have that sort of Nathan Peterman, um, who's Davis Webb kind oh, of God. rise. Yikes. Where it's like the guy that has a <laughs> decent NFL arm that can hit on some throws downfield. Now, Look, obviously, Mills didn't get a senior bowl invite or anything. Jared like Stidham a little bit too. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you're, and this always happens as we get closer to the draft. You get these guys that are more day three types, have a little bit of buzz around them. If they're going to roll the dice on, say, a developmental project on day three, I'd rather it be a Jamie Newman than a Davis Mills. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we, we talked before the show spags about how with the Duggar pick, with the Josh Uche pick, it seemed like Belichick started to revamp his evaluation process, right? Like we all look, I, I knew they were going to draft a safety. I knew they were going to trade out of the first round of draft a safety. Like I had the tweet like fired up. Yes. Keegan it's, it's, it's Joe Flacco 2.0. I mean, we're, we're amongst friends here. We can say that. Um, but the, the typical Belichick pick would have been traded out, drafted a safety and having to be like the three year captain, special teamer guy right. um that, you know knows the system but he's not an athlete yeah 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 that would have been the typical belichick move but he he took a swing on athleticism 
Yeah. They took a swing on traits. Um, and did, did Duggar step right in and hit it out of the park? No, but you could see the athleticism. You could see the potential with this kid. Right. And so it makes me think that like Belichick started to look at the way the game is being played right now, and he wants athleticism at the quarterback position. And if you're going to take a swing on a day three guy, like Jamie Newman, like I, I think that's the kind of swing you take. Um, is Newman like a raw talent? Absolutely. Uh, did he make a ton of mistakes on film at Wake before he transferred? Yeah. Did he make mistakes at the senior bowl? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, the end of Wednesday's practice, man, he had some really dumb throws. But I think he, he, that you want to make that bet on athleticism with the position because uh, it's that thing that's going to allow you as a rookie or a younger player. Like if, you, if you're figuring the rest of the stuff out, you can make it work as an athlete. Right. Newman has that over Mills. Mills is your prototype, pocket passer, battleship, Joe Flacco 2.0, like he said. So, yeah, I mean, I'd rather them take a swing on, on Newman over Mills. Yep. No, okay. Well, that's all I need to hear. If pocket passer, I'm out. I'm all out. Out on that. I mean, I just, if you're going to be a pocket passer in today's NFL, you have to have elite feel, presence, and footwork. Right. Like, you have to be Tom Brady in those areas because that's the reason why Tom Brady's still able to do it when he's seven months younger than me in the National Football League is because he has elite pocket right. presence, feel, footwork. Like, if you don't have that, if you can't really move and get out of your own way, if you don't have those sort of secondary reaction skills, then you are going to be in trouble. And I, I think, look, Dwayne Haskins is a prime example of that. Like, because Dwayne Haskins is that throwback, battleship-type quarterback. He doesn't have the secondary movement skills. And so since he doesn't have the pocket presence and the, you know, process and speed that Brady has, he was a sitting duck back there. Right. And of course, there are other issues like you know, partying with yeah with people and things like that that gonna run out of this town that I'm living in. But yeah, right. we can leave that for another time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so all right. So the the obviously the Stephon Gilmore trade here. He now he has uh, Perry has them trading him uh, for 43 overall, which uh, I think is San Fran, I believe, from the Niners. Yep. Okay. So um, anyways. You know, do you think Gilmore? I I threw a poll out there the other day that was like, do you think you know Gilmore and forty six could get them ten? Uh, you know, with Dallas, I think that's a little crazy. But I was like, well, if Dallas is in win now mode, they may not even have the cap room to do that with having to give Dak a massive contract. But you know, if they're in win now mode, could you package Gilmore forty six and even if you had to throw in something else and get that number ten overall pick? I don't know if that's possible or not. But where do you see his value being? And do you think? You know, look, if it's a two-year, if it's a two-year extension, I'm in for the Patriots bringing him back for you know yeah. for three more years. There's no way he takes a snap though on that current deal, right? What is it? Like you have, to give, you have yeah. to give him an extension. You're gonna have to give him an extension and bump this year up, and then give him a few more years. The exactly. question is, how many more years does he want? If he wants four more years, if I'm the Patriots, there's no way I'm doing that. If he wants this year and then two more years, well, now I might be thinking about that. And, I, and so that's a situation where I think, that you you know, you're going to have to see what that looks like. But I am curious about your thought about what his value might be on the open market. I mean, I could he be part of a deal to get to, say, Dallas at 10? Giants at 11 would be another team to watch. Um, right. They could use secondary help. I mean, they had Bradbury who looked good at times, but they could use another corner. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, Stephon Gilmore showed over the past two seasons that he's a lockdown corner in the National Football League. Um, and there's value to that. There's value to having multiple lockdown corners on a roster. The Patriots are an example of that with Gilmore and J.C. Jackson. You could look at what Brian Flores is building down in Miami with 
you know, Jones and Xavier Howard. I mean, when you've got two lockdown type of guys, you can play mismatches to your advantage as a defense. You can do different things schematically. Will you have the ability to potentially leave two guys on an island and dedicate safety help to the middle of the field? Um, that's a huge advantage. Or you can go zero, cover zero stuff like Flores was doing this year. And so I think, look, Gilmore is certainly going to have value you know, on the trade market. Um, if I'm New England, I try to see if you can get him back on, say, a, a two with a, a team option for a third. I mean, I think that would be the sweet spot. Would Gilmore do that, though? I don't think so. I mean, I think right. he's going to want that guaranteed fourth year. Um, that's a lot to pay for a corner that's coming off of an injury. I mean, do you, do you want to tie yourselves up with Gilmore for four years? That's the tougher thing. You needle to thread. That's a tougher decision, I think. Right. Spags, you're muted, bro. <laughs> I think you muted yourself on the like on StreamYard. You muted yeah. yourself. There we there go. There he is. I did. My bad. Um, <laughs> no, and I said JC Jackson too, right? Like he's yeah. obviously restricted. Probably have what a second round tender on him. Maybe if I throw maybe, a first round tender on him, so would I. But realistically yeah. speaking, uh, obviously he doesn't have. He did switch agents last year too. Drew Rosenhaus is now representing him. So oh, I'll throw a first um, round tender on him now. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, hey, man, that's that's the question, right? What the heck's going to happen from there? So, I think that that's that's going to be a big shooter draft for the Patriots too, because they do have the cap room. But again, you guys are talking about Butler and Guy. Like, you got Butler, you got Guy, you got Stephon Gilmore, you got Tooney, you got Andrews, you got James White. You Just got- get me through these next four weeks. That's it. Seriously. That's it. Just geez, like it's let's gonna get there. A nightmare. I know it's going to be an absolute nightmare. Slow. So slow. You know what though? You know what's getting us through? Little Wand Division. Me and me and Taylor have been talking yeah, about. Yeah, you guys have been crushing it. So it's been fun. You know what I mean? But uh, my goodness, you know what I mean. So when that's so that's what he's. Uh, so Charlie over here is asking about uh, you know Gilly for for the Giants. So fifteen and fifteen and Gilmore for ten or eleven and you know whatever the case may be. So and you're right. You mentioned the Giants. You know, so it's like uh, we'll see, right? I mean, but that's that's a possibility. I mean, if if Justin Fields is there at ten. You know, you say, okay, well, I'll take Gilmore and we'll trade him up, you know, package Gilmore in 15 and get 10 in their third round pick or whatever the case may be. Yeah, it looks like 76 is there picking the third. Yeah. That gets you into that. And that fills your gap. Talking about. That fills right. the gap. Right. Um, yeah. And look, you know, I, I'm looking at a block right now that has Giants going Caleb Fairley, the Virginia Tech corner at 11. So right. if you're, you know, if you're the Giants and Joe Judge, you'd rather probably have Stephon Gilmore than a rookie corner that opted out, as talented as he is. Right. No, that's a good point. It's a good point. So, um, all right. I just, I don't. I'm not going to touch on all these guys uh, in the mock, but he does have Josh Palmer in the sixth round, and that's a guy that uh, that we meant to talk about last week, and we just flat out forgot with Evan uh, when we were talking about wide receivers. Guy that absolutely showed out in the Senior Bowl. I can't imagine him lasting in the sixth round at this point. Uh, just, just from what he's put on tape, but then again, I mean, I guess, you know, who knows, but it's, uh, you know, his, his route running. I mean, man, when he, when he hit that like corner route or whatever that out route was, and the dude just fell down. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. He looked, he looks great on film. Um, and I, I was actually talking to uh, Matt Waldman, um, after the senior bowl about guys that we were like excited to go back and rewatch their game tape of and Palmer and, um, Trayvon Grimes, the other Florida wide receiver, not Kadarius Tony, who everybody was talking about, but 
Grimes, the other one. Um, those are two guys we were really excited to go back and watch. And Mari Rogers was another. And even Powell, the other Clemson wide receiver, um, was very intriguing. But I noticed, look, Perry loaded up on guys that were down at Mobile. Right. And something tells me that they that he's doing that for a reason. Um, you know, because we don't have a combine. So the senior bowl is a very good evaluation tool anyway, because you get that week of practice. Um, that's what matters down at the senior bowl. Nobody cares about the game itself. It's that week of practice and seeing guys develop over just that one week to see how coachable they are. And when you see Phil start loading up on senior bowl players, that makes me think that the Patriots as an organization are going to really rely on this week as their big sort of universal evaluation piece of the puzzle because we don't get a combine. Who cares about pro days? Like they are what they are. Um, they might double or triple dip on senior bowl guys. And you saw last year too, like what, especially at the wide receiver position, what that we can do. Like remember kind of beginning of the draft process, Van Jefferson, a guy yep. early day three, maybe late two. And then he goes, what, 61st to the Rams and had a pretty good rookie. year. that was a guy I loved. Obviously he had the, you know, NFL experience in the family with his dad, who was, he was the wide receiver coach of the jets. I think he just got fired actually. Uh, but obviously the NFL experience, like yeah. guys like that, it can jumpstock them, especially this year. Like you noticed, yeah. like you noted with you no know, combine pro days and everything kind of being still on the fence with, with COVID and everything else. It's true. Like, you know, that could be a route they go like yeah. heavy mobile guys. And yeah. they do that anyways. So you mentioned it with Duggar and, you know, Jimmy G, same thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, they, they rely on that so much anyways. So then this year, I yes, did the same thing, right? So it's like this <laughs> yeah. year, even more so when you don't have all that extra stuff. So, um, you know, definitely, definitely could be interesting. So it's going to be a heck of a, uh, you mentioned Amari Rogers. I just, I want them to take Amari Rogers simply because his dad is T Martin. And I feel like that's the coolest thing ever that like, a member of the Brady Six's child would be playing for the yeah. Patriots while Brady is still in the league. I actually, it probably would be better if he got drafted by Tampa, but like screw Tampa. Like I'd rather, I'd rather him come here because he seems exactly. like a good player, you know? So, no, I mean, he, he was a guy that I was really impressed with on film anyway. Um, yeah. But then just to see him do it at the senior bowl, uh, Dwayne Eskridge um, and Kay Johnson, those are two other wide receivers. I mean, that wide receiver group that was down at Mobile was so good. Yeah. Uh, now, the flip side of it might have been the fact that the corners weren't great, number one. And number two, like the one-on-one drills are tough if you're a corner, like yeah. covered five, six seconds into a play. Like that's a tough ask. Yeah, um, but happen. that wide receiver group was really good. Um, right. So it would have surprised me to see if they take two receivers from that group alone. I I really hope so. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, you need to. You can't ignore it like they did last year. No, you can't. And look, every – X, Z, slot, all three have to be on the table. I mean, right. Spags is wearing the J11 shirt. We all love Julian Edelman. Um, but, yeah, we have to prepare for that day. Right. Um, and so slot receiver is not off the table. It's coming. Chai Smith. Chai yeah. Smith. Or yeah. Kate Johnson. South Dakota State kid. Um, yeah. Either one of those guys, I think. Um, Jacoby Myers is great. He's a fantastic wide receiver, too, in the National Football League, I think. Um, right. But I don't think anybody's looking at him to be wide receiver one. You need that guy. Um, if you can't go get a Galladay or an Allen Robinson, um, and they might not do that because we've seen them do that in the past, you need that X-type guy. And Palmer could be that. Um, yeah. So, but they have to. They have to add talent to this wide receiver group. Like it's as, as open as they were at times. And yes, you can turn on the film from last year. Some of those guys were open, and Cam wasn't seeing them, wasn't throwing it. 
Like, oh, yes. I mean, St. Brown is also fantastic. Um, I, I've walked him in the end of the first round. Um, I think he's probably more of a day two guy. Especially um, with Noah Lave now, too, who probably would have jumped him. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, um, th- this is a good wide receiver group. Um, and I'd like to see them double or even triple dip because you could. It's just going to keep getting better, three. too. You know, yeah. with like how athletic these kids are now. Like, and plus, look, look at last year the seven on seven circuit. Right. Like, you're just cranking out athletes now. Like, yep. these guys are playing seven on seven, like 11 months out of the year, and they're just catering to the passing game. That's why there was a great, who was it? Coach Kogan, Kyle Kogan, who's a high school defensive coordinator. Um, in in like Kansas, I think he had a video clip of you know Mac Jones hitting Devonta Smith on a goal route. He was the outside receiver, the number one on our trips, left hash to right sideline because and he had the quote, "Nobody throws to the number one in trips." Um, because it used to be you wouldn't do that. You didn't have kids that could do it. Now with the seven on seven stuff and the poor, you know, the fact that the guys are running to stuff passing leagues year round. The passing game is going to get better. The kids coming up are going to be better. Like you said, like the wide receiver position is going to get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Like you might have like 10, 11, 12, 15 first round wide receivers at some point. Just because right. it's going to be so good. Yeah, it's true. It's true, man. And it's going to be uh it's going to be a fun. We got four weeks. We can make it. We got we got four weeks. No. Just hold do. on. We are almost there. You know, it's like we just got to get through a little bit more, you know, another month of quarantine. We can, we can figure it out. You know, we can get there. God, I hope so. I'm clinging to dear life. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be a battle, but we will get there. We will yep. get there. That's right. That's right. All right, Mark, everyone knows you, but you know, give yourself a little plug in and, uh, you know, tell people where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter. Um, yeah. See, right. I can never do this. The there other way. There you go. Um, You'll get lots of, you know, total references, scrubs, gifts, um, quarterback stuff. Um, but yeah, Winnie Pat's the Winnie the Pooh with the Pooh meme. Yep. That PFF tweet tonight, man. Can we talk about that for a second? I didn't see it. Was it the one where they were like, uh, the other? Who was it? The the Washington didn't allow more than yeah. more than twenty eight. Who was the only team in the National Football League that, that did not allow twenty eight <laughs> points or more in a game this season? The Washington Football Team. Like when they had four games. Yeah. Four games. And a playoff game where they yeah. gave up 31 points. Crazy. I mean, so that didn't get the poo treatment. That got the Jonathan Swain um, <laughs> in a Trump interview where he's like, What? Yeah, that's the <laughs> one I did for that one. Um, and also, Charlie just mentioned the Scoso Slack channel. If you want to talk football year round, I got the Slack. Uh, I can vouch. I can vouch for the Slack channel. Yep. Yeah. Uh, people talk prospects. People have been doing scouting sessions over Zoom. For, really? Like, yeah, like people hopped on. They watched, I think, defensive linemen for like eight hours one Saturday a couple of oh weeks ago. Oh, my God. Yeah, just watching all 22 all day long. I mean, that's a football nerd's dream. So, yeah, you can check that out. But, yeah, on Twitter, wherever it is, somewhere in that general direction. There you go. There you go. Almost got it. Almost got it. Yeah. So, hey, man, thanks so much for jumping on. We appreciate it. Uh, always fun to uh, to break it down with you. Always. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to it. And we got we got one month, man. We can, we can do it. <laughs> we can we're do almost it. there. We're, we're see the light at the end of the tunnel. 